Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Author Natalie Ball's new book, Neron is Just Like Me, it's a moving story of a young boy from an untraditional family background who manages to follow his dreams. And we're going to talk all about it here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. The author, Natalie, is sitting here with me. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on air. I'm excited to be talking with you. I'm excited to find out about Neron is just like me. So, Natalie, what's this all about? Okay, so my brother, Neron Ball, he became an orphan before the age of 10. His maternal mother, she passed away in 1999. And a year and a half later, our dad passed from throat cancer. Mm. And I helped his maternal grandmother raise him from the time he was 10 until he graduated from high school. And so this story is really about his transition from going from being an orphan to dealing with medical issues, going through school, you know, without parents and being raised by a non-traditional family, meaning i.e. his grandmother and myself and a few more supporting family members. Mm. And so he went on to graduate. He got a full football scholarship to the University of Florida in Gainesville. And his second year of college, he had a brain AVM. And basically, AVM is where you have a jumbled up blood vessel of the brain. He had always had headaches growing up, migraines, and we're all migraine sufferers, but this was something different. So at football practice, Coach DJ Durkin told him, go ahead and go to Shan's Hospital because he was in excruciating pain. He went, and then that's when they found the AVM and clamped it. It took him probably about four to six months of rehab before he could go back and play football. Mm -hmm. But he came back, and he played his junior and senior year, and he was drafted to the NFL by the Oakland Raiders in 2015 fifth-round draft pick. Wow. But before he graduated, three months before he graduated, of course, he graduated from University of Florida with his bachelor's degree as well. And so this story is just about his life, his transition from being a child to adulthood and reaching his dream of being drafted in the NFL. Hmm. Natalie, what sorts of readers do you think would be really into this story? I think anyone that has any child that has had a medical issue, anybody that's went over any adversity, death, especially after COVID has been a very sensitive subject in our school system. And we've had a lot of students that have either had a parent, a sibling, or a grandparent, or someone close to them die. So anyone that's dealing with death, loss, and dying, anyone who needs to be motivated, a reader that needs to be motivated to continue to persevere through whatever they're dealing with, whether it's losing someone, whether it's a health issue, whether it's going through some type of trauma. So any child between the ages of, in my opinion, two to probably 15, Two being because the graphics by Carrick Adams are so great in this book. Mm. And that's a shout out to him. I mean, the pictures tell it all. And so it's a good children's story, but it's also a story about life. It's really not about death. So any reader would benefit from Neuronish Just Like Me. Is this your first book, Natalie, or have you done this kind of thing before? No, it's my first book. I'm a professor at Mercer University, but before my brother died, I, you know, a month before he passed, I realized it was getting very grim in the hospital. He's in the hospital almost a year with the second brain bleed. Mm. And I told him I would tell his story throughout the world. Now, I thought that I would tell, you know, his entire life story. Maybe I definitely didn't think children's books because I'm a secondary educator. 
But I, you know, realized this is actually a story for kids, mostly. So I knew it couldn't bring my brother back, but I knew it would inspire someone in his situation because we didn't have a book. We didn't have a Neron story before his story. I mean, we built that story and it's a heck of a story. Well, Natalie, what were you thinking? What were you feeling whenever you opened up your mailbox and you got the first copy of this and you got to hold it? What was that like? It was actually bittersweet because I thought of my dad, you know, and I thought of my stepmom and just how good they were when they were alive and how they didn't get to see Neron actually blossom into a great teenager and a phenomenal young man. So just looking at the book, it was just bittersweet. When I look at the back, because in the back I have his pictures, I smile. Now, four years ago, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that. But now I look at his pictures and I laugh and I smile and I remember the good times. And each page really encompassed what I saw when he grew up. It encompasses Red Devil Hill, our high school, University of Florida. I have something for everybody in there. The Oakland Raiders, everybody's in the book. So I just look at it and I smile. It's a good snippet of his life. Well, what a wonderful story. I think readers are really going to love this. The title again is Neron is Just Like Me. It's written by Natalie Ball and is published by Covenant Books, so you can find it everywhere like on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Natalie, it's been really wonderful talking with you about this book, learning about Neuron, and how everything came together. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. I'm talking with author Arthur Cola here at the Reader House Author Roundtable about his new book, Vivi's War. It's historical fiction based on true events during World War II. Arthur, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks. I'm excited to be with you. Well, I'm excited to find out about Vivi's War, Arthur. Can you tell me all about it? Okay. Vivi's War. Vivi refers to the central character whose real name is William Coliani, and he's a young teenager, and how he gets involved in 1943 at the turning point of World War II in Europe. He gets involved by rescuing the crown princess of Italy from Nazi spies in the Apennine Mountains, and that his story evolves from that, and how his life and the life of his pal Amadeo changes dramatically as they become young agents of the king spying on the Germans. Arthur, what kind of reading audience were you writing for here? I guess this particular work, I would say, would be attractive to a multitude of genre types. The history buffs would love it because it is World War II. It is focusing on Italy's role in World War II and how they become allies of America and Britain. So if that angle of it is in the story, I think it would be attractive to teens because two of the central characters of the story, Vivian and Medio, are teenagers who become active spies for the king of Italy at the time. I think it would be attractive to people who are interested in action spy-type thriller-type stories because there is that aspect of the story, too, as they get involved with overthrowing Mussolini, get involved in his life when he was imprisoned, and then how later they become spies on the German troop movements. So I think there's a broad range of reader types that would enjoy this story. Arthur, how did the idea for this come about? It really came about several years ago. I interviewed William Coliani, who was an immigrant to America, and he told me the story of the village he came from, which happens to be the same village that my family immigrated from when they came to America, huh. and how that village had a pivotal role in the liberation of Italy and the turning of the war against Hitler. 
And I kind of sat on his story for literally years as I was getting into other writing books, because this is my 18th book. So I was kind of involved in other genres at the time. And I kind of put that on the shelf. But then when I was done with the murder mysteries, I decided this is the time I want to work on this story. So I went to Italy. I visited the villages that are part of the story, like San Pietro Avalana, located in the Apennine Mountains in Abruzzo in Italy. And I talked to the mayor. He showed me all the historical places where a lot of events of my story take place. Uh, Of course, I went all through Rome and studied in Rome. And I think people who read the story and visit Italy will have a whole new appreciation when they visit Rome and they go to these famous spots that many people don't realize how pivotal they were in turning the war against Hitler. Well, Arthur, this is your 18th book, like you said. So whenever you get that first copy in, does that feeling ever get old, that excitement? No, no, because this is a whole different story for me. Mm. I mean, I've done fantasies. I did Christmas stories. I did a biography of Michelangelo. I did the murder mysteries. This is totally different in this historical action thriller book. And I just felt thrilled that I got it done because it connected me to my ancestral homeland and to the events that took place that changed our relationship in America with the country of Italy. Well, being a published author, Arthur, what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? I think that the rewarding, or I would say fun for me, is meeting other authors at different festivals and book events. When I do book events, talking with people, and when I do presentations at the libraries or different areas like that, I get to meet so many different people and get to share the experience of my story. I think a lot of people are going to love this book. Definitely go check it out. It's called Vivi's War. This is written by Arthur Cola, published by Newman Springs Publishing, so you can get it everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Arthur, thank you so much again for coming on the show and telling me about this story. I had a nice time talking with you tonight. I enjoyed my time with you, and I hope people will enjoy Vivi's War. I'm really happy to welcome back to the Reader House Author Roundtable, Alexandria Lang. Alex, welcome. Thanks for coming back. Well, thank you, Corey. I'm very excited to be here. It's nice to talk with you again. Now, congratulations on your latest book, Birds of a Feather. It's a captivating coming-of-age story that captures the hope and naivete of a teenage girl growing up in the 80s. Alex, can you tell me more about it? Sure, absolutely. So as Corey said, Birds of a Feather is a coming-of-age story about a young and naive sheltered girl, Lane, who grows up stuck in the bubble of her extremely strict and dysfunctional household. So she's completely unaware of the realities of the outside world until she's forced to face them head-on. So the story follows Lane as she stumbles blindly all alone and penniless into adulthood. And as life does tend to ebb and flow, Her journey sometimes brings about some hilarious experiences, and other times it's just quite heart-wrenching. What sorts of readers would be into Birds of a Feather, do you think? Well, I I think there's something in it for everyone. Maybe not your young, underage readers. There's somewhat explicit material in there, but I I think for adults, there's a little bit for everybody. Hmm. How much of your own life, your own personal story, made its way into this? Okay, I want to be very clear that all of the characters in this novel are completely fictitious. They do not depict my actual family nor my upbringing. However, I too had a tumultuous childhood. Mm. So it was reading that really got me through my adolescence. 
there were happy stories that assured me that there are good people and great opportunities out there and inspired me to seek a happier life for myself. And there were the not-so-happy stories that let me know that I was not alone in my struggles and that I, too, would get through it. So what sparked this book? What gave you the idea to start on it? Well, I write novels about the power of hope and resilience in the face of real-life adversities. Mm. And I do that in hope that they'll provide someone with the strength to face whatever they're currently going through, or at very least, escape the current situation for a short while and be entertained. Was this an easy write for you, or did it take you a while? I would say it was a fairly easy write. I wrote it in about six months of off-and-on writing. Now, as you write, as you publish more, you keep learning and picking up things along the way. So, Alex, is there anything differently that you would do maybe next time that you kind of learned by just going through the publishing thing here a few times? I think it would be to take my time. I mean, when we get into this, we're kind of in a hurry. You know, we, we want to see it come to fruition. We want to celebrate that win. And every time that I get in a hurry and I go back and read that book after it's been published, I find things I would have said differently, or I find errors that maybe I would have caught if I had slowed down and just spent a little more time on it. So I guess I assume that you are writing more. Do you have ideas for the next book? I have a book that's coming out this spring, yes. Hmm. And it's called 11 Passport Stamps. It's a fiction action adventure story. Now, so many of us authors, we just love to read. And you were talking about how reading really got you through some tough times in your life. So is Birds of a Feather sort of representative of the kind of thing that you would normally gravitate to when you read? Sometimes, yes. I do like stories about hope and resilience. Like I said, that was a lot of the reading I did when I was younger. That and, and horror is actually my, <laughs> my favorite genre. I like mm. horror and I like psychological thrillers. But I kind of cross genre. I'll read just about anything that's good. Well, you mentioned horror. So what would you say is your favorite horror author and why? Oh, Stephen King. You know yep, it. Yep, yep. <laughs> Everything that he's ever written, even some of his non-horror, more obscure stuff, like his autobiography called On Writing. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's a great book. But yeah, I mean, who doesn't love Stephen King? Exactly. Alex, what's in it for you? What's the most rewarding thing for you about doing all this? I think it's just finally doing it. I planned to write my entire life. And like I said, it just kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed to the back burner. And I think that even if I never made anything off of it as a lucrative career, that I can say, you know what, I did it. Mm. And if I hadn't done it, I would have always wondered if I could. So to me, it's the accomplishment is just in the achievement of finally doing what I said I would. Well, I think people are really going to love this story. I encourage my listeners to seek this out. Again, the title is Birds of a Feather. It's written by Alexandria Lang and published by Newman Springs Publishing. So get it at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, anywhere that you pick up your books. Well, Alex, it's been great talking with you again and learning all about Birds of a Feather. I hope we get to do this again. Well, thank you so much, Corey. I always enjoy talking with you, and thank you again for having me on. X, Y, or Z? It's the new book in stores written by Laura Lee Ulrich, and it's a compassionate message of the need to be as God made us. And Laura Lee is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. I get to find out all about it. Laura Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Corey, for having me. I appreciate you allowing me to utilize your platform to express and share this book with so many people. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate your time, Laura Lee. Can you tell me about X, Y, or Z? What's the book all about? Well, X, Y, or Z is about a character 
that endures some confusion about identity while engaging in an exciting day of school, only to discover comfort, understanding, and acceptance of self being made in God's image, explained within the faith-filled and loving message of grandma. Laura Lee, what kinds of readers were you speaking to here? Well, to be honest, although it's geared to younger children between the ages of 5 and 10, it's a message that really is for anybody that's desiring to connect with a message of identity and self and acceptance through the Word of God. What was the spark, Laura Lee, for X, Y, or Z? How did the idea come about? You know, honestly, I've dabbled in writing throughout my life. It started as a younger adult writing poetry, and it kind of led to the last 10 years of writing notes for a nonfiction book that maybe will be in the future. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) But this was really divinely inspired, to be honest with you. It was something that was in my heart to influence the word in children's hearts to find an acceptance of self in the word of God found in the Bible. When it comes to writing and publishing, everything like that, Laura Lee, have you done this before or are you new to it? No, this is my first. (laughs) My first published work. Was the publishing end of things, was that a challenge for you? Did that drag on or did you find that easy? You know, I embraced it and I enjoyed the experience. Being a recently retired person, it occupied some time. (laughs) (laughs) What challenged you the most in all of that and all the things you got to do publishing? Certainly the release and the waiting, it definitely made me more patient. (laughs) (laughs) So after you've had all that patience, Laura Lee, that day comes and you open up the mailbox and your first copy is there for you and you get to hold your book for the very first time. What's that moment like for you? Well, you know, I have to say, all my dreams came true. It was supernatural. Mm. I was filled with an overwhelming sense of gratitude and joy. I'm excited to embrace this next chapter in my life of a service to God. So you hinted at maybe writing more in the future. Have you thought about it? Do you have any ideas? We shall see. Stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) I love the mystery about it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of doing this for the first time, Laura Lee. Do you have any advice now that you would give to aspiring authors? You know, I do. I'm an advocate of journaling and writing ideas and I hate to sound cliche, but just do it. Start with prayer for the eyes to see and the ears to hear the truth and not to be deceived by this world. That's good advice. Thank you. So a lot of hard work, a lot of time goes into this kind of thing. Laura Lee, what's the most rewarding part of being a published author for you now? Well, I have to say, you know, other than God and my own personal experience, I'd have to say everything went into this experience and the desire to actually write. All my experiences throughout my life kind of led up to this. And I just look forward to continuing and serving with humility. Laura Lee, do you ever get writer's block? There are times that you have an idea. And, you know, when you ask me about what would be my advice is to have a pen and paper and to carry it around. Because those ideas come, you got to jot them down. You got to be ready. (laughs) Absolutely. You mentioned you're a big fan of journaling. Do you have a routine for writing like that? Do you maybe journal in the morning or at night? Or are you just journaling as you feel inspired or just have the time? You know, I was very fortunate in my life to take notes throughout daily experiences. So I can't say that there is a routine for me, per se. I think readers will be blessed by this book. Again, the title is X, Y, or Z. It's written by Laura Lee Ulrich and published by Christian Faith Publishing. So head to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores 
you'll find it. Laura Lee, it's been really wonderful talking with you tonight. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Corey. It was my pleasure. And thank you for having me. The audiobook that just came out by Paul Solari, titled Pablo the Shrimp, is a children's book based on a true story. So I get to find out more about this. The author, Paul, is with me now. Paul, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. So can you tell me what the book's all about, Paul? What will readers expect here? Well, I lived in a mansion on the seashore in Sarasota Bay, beautiful bay area, but I learned how to throw a cast net for fish probably three decades ago. That's my pastime. I'm not an angler. I'm a cast netter. So this true story happened one late afternoon, as my habit was to go out and try to catch some fish. So everything in the book actually occurred from the fisherman's side. And of course, the fable is from the shrimp side, where little shrimp got caught in that net. So that was my life on the mansion and enjoyed that time of my life. Beautiful, beautiful sunsets over the water. There's a key across the bay called Longbow Key, and the sunset would fall over the trees. Just a beautiful panorama. And that's how I spent my days. And uh, never forgot the episode with the shrimp. Always stuck with me. And the shrimp side of the story was instantaneous. It just stayed with me. But several years later, I decided to write something about it. Is this the first time you've done something like this, Paul? Have you written and published before? I presently do have another published book about migraines, a natural therapy for migraines that I developed over decades. Hmm. It just released this week. But I've written for decades, just never decided to try to publish. This story is unique and original and based on my experience. So I put pen to paper and put it down to share with people. Well, Paul, can you go back and think, was there a spark, something that really inspired you to say, hey, I got to sit down and get started on this book? It just never left my brain. And I just started thinking about the shrimp side of it, the fable side of it. Poor little guy was on shore without oxygen. He should have died. He's a little bit pessimistic like me. Took on my personality. It was just always there. And I said, I I just have to write this down. It's just an awesome story, my part of it. And then the part that was in my brain about the shrimp, his experience. I said, so one day I sat down and wrote it down. The thing that was difficult were the illustrations. The illustrations took a couple of years. I was going to ask how long this whole process was for you, the writing and publishing. So it was a while. It's a five-year process, five, seven years. Yes. I'm in the car business, so you work, you survive, you strive, COVID hits, a family member dies, just things happen. It delays the process. Mm. You put it aside, put it aside, put it aside until you say, well, I got to get it out of my head. I have to put it to print. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I won't be able to sleep at night. <laughs> I delve into poetry and other stories. I have a book I hope to publish this year called Seven Dreams from God. And they're based on actual dreams, particular dreams that I've had that while I don't remember my dreams on a regular basis, I remember these specific dreams. And hopefully the title will induce somebody to think, well, how do you know they're from God? It begs that question. Well, once you understand the dream, the actual dream, well, <laughs> you can only surmise it must be from God or somewhere, you know, somewhere <laughs> somewhere up there, let's say. Each dream is very unique, and they have a message. The message was for me specifically, and a couple of them are, I would call them Stephen King-esque. Hmm. End of times or end of, you know, something kind of scary. <laughs> well, let's just say that after one particular dream, I jumped out of bed, got on my knees, and and made my peace with the Lord. Oh, wow. So that's coming this year, I hope. Fantastic. 
And of course, Paul, we're talking about the audiobook edition of Pablo the Shrimp. So what was it like hearing your book as opposed to reading your book like you were used to all that time? I actually enjoyed listening to it. I enjoy reading to people and actually telling the story to people. I don't need to read the book because, you know, I created it. But hearing it back, I was fascinated with the story, enjoyed it. Well, I think readers will really enjoy this book. Uh, Again, the title is Pablo the Shrimp. It's written by Paul Solari and is published by the Audiobook Network. So head to where you normally get your audiobooks, like Audible or iTunes or Amazon. You'll be able to find this. Paul, thanks again for joining me tonight. Tell me all about the story of Pablo the Shrimp and everything that went into it. I really enjoyed our time. Thank you, and me as well. Appreciate it. Travel with Willow the Backpack Bear. It's a new book out centering around a curious bear who learns all about different cultures from her friends. This is a book written by Penny Brooks, and I get to talk more about it here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. She's here with me. Penny, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Absolutely. Can you tell me all about what readers will find when they open Travel with Willow, the Backpack Bear? Well, it's focused on meeting different families and diversity and about third grade level. And she's traveling to different families and getting introduced to her classmates. Where did the idea for this come about? How was this book born? Actually, it was came forth with, I have three children that are grown, and it was a good way to introduce families to classmates. And we used to have a journal that used to come to our house and we'd read to our kids and we'd get introduced to their friends from school. When it comes to writing, being published and everything, Penny, have you done this kind of thing before? No, I'm a new writer. Congratulations. It's such a huge deal to get that first one out there. How long did it take you to write and put through all those publishing processes? Well, I actually started during the COVID. I had some free time and I always wanted to write a book when I was a kid. I said, oh, wouldn't that be neat if I could be a publisher? And then I decided, you know what? It's on my bucket list. Let's do it now. And during the COVID time, when I had some downtime, I just generated some ideas and I decided I'm going to go for it. And it took me probably three years to actually put it in print. I had ideas in the back of my head and I'd write down in my journal about different stories. And it was during the COVID time when people were really lonely and depressed and they had a lot on their plate about uncertainty about the world. And there was a lot of hate crime out there. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to write a book about kids and culture and diversity and let's accept each other as we are. I love it. A lot of new authors are often surprised by what's involved in the publishing process. So, Penny, what did you find the most challenging part of that for you? Actually, it was the illustration part. I would describe, you know, since the illustrators don't read the story, they actually, you have to tell them what you want on a page. I had a hard time, like, describing, no, I want a bigger white hat, or no, I wanted this, I want this background like this. The illustrating part was the hardest for me. And have you thought about maybe a follow-up to this, or maybe some other kind of writing or publishing in the future? Yes, I'd like to write another book. I think the next book is going to probably be something to do with nature. Like you said, a lot of time and work goes into this. So when that day finally came, Penny, and you got the first copy in the mail and you got to hold your book for the first time, what was that like? Well, tell you the truth, I read it over and over and I looked at the photos and I said, wow, this is pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's actually a lot different than looking at it on a computer and actually holding in your hand. 
seriously looking at it. So now you are a published author. What's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? Crossing that off of my bucket list. I always wanted to do something like this, and I finally got brave enough to say, let's just do it. So it can be quite the learning experience when you do this kind of thing for the first time. So did you learn anything that you could throw out there as advice for aspiring authors? Go for it. If you have any doubt, just do it, and you'll be surprised in yourself and your goals and just put it out there. Penny, when you write, do you have a sort of routine, a time every day that you like to do it, maybe early morning, late night, or do you find yourself writing whenever you find the time or maybe when you feel inspired? Actually, I just have a journal in my house, and whenever I think of an idea, I put it in a journal. It could be any time of the day. I just write down my thoughts or my feelings or how I felt about things, and I just come up with ideas, and I put it in a journal throughout the day. Is writer's block ever a thing you have to deal with? Oh, most definitely. Oh, how do you get past that? I just take it one day at a time and just say, no, it'll come to me later. Don't fret. Just do it later on. I love that you have faith in the process and you just know you've got to keep going. That's right. Well, what a wonderful book this sounds like. I think readers are going to love it. Again, this is Travel with Willow the Backpack Bear, written by Penny Brooks and published by Newman Springs Publishing, so it's available everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Penny, it's been really great talking with you tonight about Travel with Willow the Backpack Bear and everything that you put into it. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. The book I'm looking at right now looks to reach Christians and non-Christians alike. It's titled, The Final Battle, The Beginning of the End. This is written by Purnell Miles, and we're going to talk all about it. Purnell is with me now. Purnell, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. The Final Battle, The Beginning of the End. Purnell, can you tell me what it's all about? Yeah, it's an angel that falls in love with a human. She works miracles. The sailor is not a Christian. He was raised in church. It wasn't meant for her to fall in love with him, but she did. Pernell, what kinds of readers do you think would be into this? I think people that are into fantasy, that's the people I was trying to reach, was the people that are into fantasy, and I threw a little bit in there so they could be a little intrigued with God, if that makes sense. Pernell, can you think of what sparked this? Where'd you get the idea for this story? I was a contractor in Iraq. My first year, it just popped into my head, you know, what if God's angels came down and helped us? I know that's kind of a weird thought for somebody to have, but <laughs> I started writing it then, and I stopped, and several years later, I picked it back up. Hmm. Have you ever done anything like this before, Purnell? Have you written or published in the past? This is my first book. Congratulations. Was this a long process for you? It was several months getting through everything, yeah. It seemed like it was never going to end. <laughs> what did you find the most challenging part about the whole publishing process? The editing. Mm. The editing was just, I mean, you know, I had to proofread it once they edited it and send it back. It was a new thing for me. If you don't want to be an author, please don't do it because it's very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> and when that day finally comes and you get that first copy in, Purnell, you get to hold your book for the very first time. What's that moment like? I was filled with emotion. I am not the type of person that cries. I mean, it really takes something really heartfelt 
I cried like a baby. It was really emotional for me. It was one of the most fantastic things I had ever done. I could actually see it. You know, I could actually hold it. And when you think about it, Purnell, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author for you? Other people reading my work. Hmm. Looking down the road, have you thought about writing and publishing more? Yeah, there's going to be at least four more in this series. Well, I say three to four more. I'm working on the second one now. It should be done by the middle of next month. When you sit down to write, Purnell, did you have the whole thing outlined out, or did you just start with the beginning, start writing, and see where it went? I had the beginning figured out and the end. I had someone ask me that, and I just put a movie in my head and start acting it out. Now, when you sit down to read, Purnell, what kind of a reader are you? Do you like to read a lot? I don't read a lot. I read some. I read my Bible a lot. Well, I could read it more, but (laughs) I like a little fiction. And I know this sounds strange for a man, but I like romantic novels. Nothing wrong with that. So I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way, Purnell, and you already gave a little bit of advice earlier. Do you have any more advice that you could give to especially the first-time authors? If you're really serious about it, write it. Don't worry about what people think. That's what I was doing at first. I I was worried about what people would think. But when you turn it in, they don't really know you. Just turn it in and see where it goes. You know, if that makes sense, because I was worried about what people would think about me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, my mom gave me a piece of advice. She says, Purnell, these people don't know you. They don't know you from Adam. Turn your book in. Mm. So if you are really serious about writing, write it and throw it out there. See how it goes. When you were sitting down writing this thing, Purnell, was writer's block something that you had to deal with? Yes, a lot. Like, I'm out with my wife now. She's fishing. We're out in the woods. And I got writer's block today, and she said, hey, let's go fishing, because that's usually, you know, if you get out and you get relaxed, you know, your mind's not on your work, so you start thinking of things, or at least it does for me. I think readers are going to love this book, and I encourage those listening to go check it out. Again, this is titled The Final Battle. The Beginning of the End. It's written by Purnell Miles. It's published by Covenant Books. And so you can find it everywhere like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Purnell, it's been really nice talking with you and finding out about your work and how this whole thing came together. Thanks again for your time. Thank you, sir. Author Tessa Young has a new book out. It's a captivating post-apocalyptic tale that follows the one unassuming man who can save the world. It's titled City Limits, and I get to find out all about this. Tessa is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Tessa, welcome. Thanks for being here. So happy to be here. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to have you, and I'm really happy to be learning about City Limits, Tessa. Can you tell me what it's about? Sure. City Limits is a story that follows what I deemed as the last individual. And he lives in a city within four walls where technology runs the minds and the methods and the day-to-day motions of the entire society. Hmm. So Sal, the main character, he wants to feel as if he belongs where he is and he wants to open up the world to, you know, dreamers and other people of that sort. So The story follows him as he tries to find a way to set the city free from the binding grasp of technology. I love it. Tessa, what kinds of readers do you think would be into this? 
I think anybody who enjoyed, you know, George Orwell's 1984, mm-hmm. any type of dystopia novel or, you know, fiction, kind of philosophic fiction work would be, you know, they would really enjoy City Limits, I believe. Was Orwell one of the influences on this book for you? Yes, I think I could contribute Orwell as a definite influence for this book. Mm -hmm. So what sparked this? Where did you get the idea? So about seven years ago, I was a college student and I spent a lot of time outside the library kind of just watching people go from class to class. And I noticed one day I was kind of paying attention and looking around and I could count only on one hand the number of people that were not looking at a cell phone as they were taking their walk to their class or the next meeting or whatever they were doing about their day. And so that kind of disturbed me. I began to think, well, people are so busy looking at their phones, they're not looking at what's happening around them. When was the last time somebody noticed the color of the sky or that the leaves are finally changing? It's fall, Hmm. you know, et cetera. And so the idea for City Limits came from that, just sort of looking around, you know, at other people in the world and seeing just how much cell phone really kind of dictated the way that they moved throughout the world on a day-to-day basis. Definitely. And I think something else interesting that you kind of brought up was that you can get ideas anywhere just sitting there observing people like you did. Oftentimes, stories, ideas can come to mind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when it comes to writing, publishing and all that, Tessa, have you done this before or are you new to this whole world? So I've self-published before. I have self-published a couple of books of poems, Hmm. but this is my first time actually really trying to publish, publish, and to not do it all by myself. And it's been a very rewarding experience. How long of a journey was this for you once you sat down, started writing City Limits, clear up until it was published? Like I said, I started writing it about seven years ago. I finished it within a year or two after starting head writing it. And then I wanted to move forward with getting it published or, you know, publishing it myself or whatever. But for about seven years, it sat on my desk and didn't go anywhere. I didn't really have the confidence or the energy to move forward with it until this present moment where finally it's out, which feels amazing. Absolutely. And it feels amazing when you get to hold it for the first time. You know, you've been seeing it on the computer for so long and then it comes in, you get to hold it. What was that moment like for you? Oh, it was such a surreal experience, honestly, because like I said, it had been something weighing on me for seven years. And finally, here it is. It comes to me and I get to hold it in my hands and just such a very lucid yet surreal experience, I would say. Now, the publishing end of things, there's a lot involved there. Tessa, what do you find the most challenging part of it for you? I would say just really submitting. Honestly, that was the hardest part for me is taking the steps to actually submit my work somewhere because most writers I find they face the fear of rejection. They don't want somebody telling them that their work isn't good enough or anything like that. Mm. Because, you know, when you write a story, it means the world to you. So that was the hardest part, I would say, is moving forward and actually submitting it. Now, when it comes to the writing part of things, do you ever have to deal with writer's block? Not really for this one. This story kind of just flew out of my fingertips as it really came to me. Really all just came out very naturally. Well, this book sounds exciting. I think readers are going to love it. Again, the title is City Limits. It's written by Tessa Young, published by Newman Springs Publishing. So you can get it anywhere like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes and even down the street at your local bookshop. Tessa, it's been really nice talking with you tonight. Thank you so much for telling me about City Limits. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
I'm delighted right now to be joined by author N.M. Choga. N.M., welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I really appreciate you being here with me tonight. Thank you so much for the connection. Absolutely. It's so exciting. You have a new book out titled Victory in Apparent Defeat. So I'm interested to learn more about this, N.M. Can you tell me about it? Well, if you look at the book, the picture, the cover picture tells the story, really. There is a fruit tree that has broken through stones, and it managed by the end of the day to be a fruit. If you take that scenario in our lives, I think every individual faces stones of one kind or another. But what I'm saying in this account is that even if you are hopeless, at the end of the process of being hopeless, there is hope. And that there are three factors that intertwine for that hope to manifest or to bring out a fruit. The fact that you have faith already, you have a vehicle that takes you forward. If that faith is anchored on hope, then you have the fuel to keep on moving. And if you have those two elements, when you have the vision, then you have a particular focus for the success of whatever it is that you want to become and overcome the storm. Fantastic. I love that message. What was your inspiration for writing this, NM? How was the idea coming about? Well, the idea came about in year 2000 when I didn't expect it. I lost my dear wife in a car accident, mm -hmm. and that road accident devastated my life. Our family was still very young, and there I was single-handedly going through the process of raising a young family. That hopelessness eventually came out to be a fruit that I didn't think I would be able as a single parent to go through and be able to achieve. So by the end of the day, I realized that there would be someone out there who could actually be in the similar situation, particularly the single parents who may actually be widows or widowers or divorcees or whatever. Whatever storm you went through, I believe that at the end of it, there is victory. Hmm. NM, how long did this take you to write? Well, inclusive of the publication, I think it will be just under two years because it took me quite some time, given the nature of my other responsibilities. I think the writing itself could have been roughly plus or minus a year. And when it comes to writing and publishing and all of that, have you done this before or are you new to this? Well, yes, no. Yes, in the sense that this is my first Christian book. No, in the sense that I've written other books before. So in a way, it's, it's, it's a process that I have been used to, but not in this type of area. And when it comes to publishing, there's a lot involved in that process. What did you find the most challenging part of that for you? Well, the Christian book was a challenge in the sense that being published in the USA, my English was a Zimbabwean English. And I think the editing process was purely for spelling, for grammar, for whatever, to align it to the type of English used in the USA. So that took quite a while to synchronize all the necessary bits and pieces. So that, I would say, was the major challenge. Thereafter, I think, cruised on without any issues. Now, when you consider all the hard work and time that goes into doing something like this, to you, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author? Well, for me, it is the network. I've never had a situation where all of a sudden you have colleagues at an international forum. Mm. 
And I never realized that people, you know, all over the world would actually be my friends. And also in the past, I used to avoid using Facebook, but this time around, I can't. But because of that, worldwide, I've got colleagues. And it's quite a rewarding process to have friends all over the world. Well, I know that readers out there are going to be really blessed by this book, and I encourage those listening to seek it out. Again, the title is Victory and Apparent Defeat. It's written by N.M. Chaga, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so of course you can find it everywhere. Head to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, even traditional brick-and-mortar stores, you'll be able to get this book. Uh, N.M., it's been fantastic talking with you today. I really appreciate you telling me all about victory and apparent defeat, and I hope we get to talk again sometime. Thank you so much. Ucky Day, let's begin again. This is a charming story of a little boy's efforts to understand the idea of redemption. It's written by Teresa Bradshaw, and she's here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and I get to talk all about this book. Terry, welcome. I appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you, Corey. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad to be learning about Aki Day. Let's begin again. Terry, can you tell me about it? Sure. This is a book that I wrote. I was inspired, really, by the Holy Spirit. I'm a Christian, and I was sort of, you know, looking around at our world and thinking, wow, we really need to get back to some truths and key tenets of Scripture. I really felt like our kids were being sort of attacked from all sides, but mm. the book is a little boy's take on sin and forgiveness. You know, as adults, we can understand sin and what Christ did for us on the cross, but kids really can't. So mm. this is just a book that helps it to be relatable to little kids because they can't understand sin and forgiveness, but they can understand getting in trouble and that they have a chance to start again the next day. Mm. Now, Terry, thinking back, was there a spark that made you decide, hey, I got to write this book. I got to get started on this thing. Not really one spark, but I think really the Holy Spirit had been pushing me for quite some time to write it. And you look around today and I see that the truth is now no longer the truth and lies are what's the truth. What used to be right is now wrong and what's wrong is now right. I think that our schools are failing our children they're teaching that they're either an oppressor or the oppressed. Riots are okay. Crime is now okay. Transgenderism is okay. I mean, we have transgender story hour in some of our elementary schools. Whoever thought we'd see something like that? Hmm. Kids can pick up their phones and see pornography in just a couple clicks. And so I really felt like our kids were just being attacked from all sides. And somehow our society has started to normalize evil. And I think that parents need help, and I'm a parent myself. My kids are now 25 and 24, so I'm past that stage. But I really felt like we needed to get back to some basic truths of the gospel to help our kids, or they're going to be in trouble as they get older. Now, Terry, when it comes to writing, publishing, and everything, are you new to this, or have you done it before? I am brand new to this. This is my first book. Wow, congratulations. Man, it's such a Thank big you. deal to get that first one out. How long did this take you? Gosh, it probably took me about two years, if I'm being truthful with myself. The first year was just feeling as though the Holy Spirit was really leading me to this point that I felt like I had to get it all on paper. And then once I got started, the book was written fairly quickly, probably over the course of just a couple of weeks, maybe. 
And it was really what took so long. It took about a year. But what took so long was really moving through all of the steps with the publishing company, Mm. you know, from the illustrations and them coming back a couple times for changes and edits, page design, things like that. They just take time. So all told, probably a year and a half, maybe two years to get it all taken care of. And with the illustrations being such a huge part of children's books, was that part of challenge? Absolutely. I think I had something that I could see in my mind, but getting it actually on the pages the way that I wanted it to be was really difficult. Now, Terry, when that day finally came and there it is, your first copy, you get to hold Ucky Day in your hands, you get to look at it. What was that like for you? Oh, it was very, very exciting. Mm. Exciting, but a little bit scary at the same time, I think. For me, it's very personal. And so there are going to be a lot of people that will like the book. But I also know that there may be some that dislike the book. And I think you have to just kind of make that okay in your heart and know that you're not going to make everybody happy. But for me, this was important to get on paper. I really felt like I've got to write this down. I've got to get it done. If only one kid reads it, that's good enough for me. Mm. But yeah, so exciting, but a little bit scary at the same time. Well, Terry, now that you're officially a published author, what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? The books that I'm writing are Christian books, and kids are going to get their hands on it, or at least I hope they will, and that they'll be better equipped to go out in the world knowing what God's love is all about. Well, this book has such a great message. It's really important, and I encourage my listeners to seek it out. Again, the title is Ucky Day, Let's Begin Again. It's written by Teresa Bradshaw, published by Christian Faith Publishing, and it's available everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Terry, thanks again for coming on the show, telling me about Ucky Day. Let's begin again. I had such a nice time talking with you. I did as well. Thank you, Corey. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.